watch the California governor where we, we are four states among ourselves, and it's different to each location. But he wants to make one blanket uh, answer for all, and that does not work. Let's work through the locals to have the ability to do it in a safe manner, um, to be able to have business again. And I believe we can do that. We might have to adapt. We might have to change a few items. But we can open up safely that individuals can, can start producing again so we have an economy to come back to. I think on the Democratic side, I'm messaging, we look a little too much about resistance, about reopening, too much about reluctance about reopening, and we should go to a message of rebuilding America. To, if the president wants to talk about reopening, we want to talk about rebuilding America and the relief. So that was uh, Kevin McCarthy, majority leader for the uh, the House. Minority. Minority leader, yeah. sorry. Well, what is he called? He's called Is he called the minority leader? Yeah. Is that his official title? Yeah. He used to be the whip. Correct, and he would be the speaker. Yeah. If um, right. there were uh, enough Republicans in the House. Kevin McCarthy would be the Speaker of the House. Republicans in the House! Anyway, that was him saying the governor of California needs to open stuff back up. Then you heard Rahm Emanuel, Obama's old chief of staff, saying Democrats have sounded too negative on the reopening thing, which I think is absolutely true. He's right on a lot, yeah. Rahm Emanuel, with his analysis. You know what he <clears> said <throat> was really good, I thought, yesterday? Talking about the whole Fauci... Chris Christie said, Fauci somehow has become a god in the eyes of the media. Yes. And everything he says, the media reacts like, Fauci said, so we must obey. And it's just weird. And even Rahm Emanuel, who hates Trump, obviously, um, he said, it's well known that if Kennedy had listened to the generals, we'd have gone to war with the Soviets during the Cuban Missile Crisis. What a great metaphor. I thought that was a great um, example. Of the exact same, you took you took the information from people. The only thing they knew how to do is fight wars, mm-hmm. and they gave you your input. Right. Then you balanced with with some other people. Sure, it's the old. Uh, if all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. Yeah. So you take the information from the only thing he knows how to do is fight viruses and balance it with some other stuff. Right. And the ironic thing is that Dr. Fauci himself will say anytime he gets an excuse, "Look, my only deal is the virus." I don't offer economic advice. That's no, not my deal. It's not his fault the media has held him up as the uh, the answer to all our problems. Right, right, exactly. Well, just cr- the media has crafted him as the counterweight to Trump. Right. And their entire framing of everything he says is built around that. Right, it's he's a got false to, narrative. God, Absolutely he's got, it is. Yeah. God, he's got to hate that. Yes. Right. <laughs> he says well, so. He, he does, yeah. He, he b- openly stews and boils when they ask him. Uh, so you have that factor going on, the idiocy of the media and the coverage of it. it says, the, the other it, thing Rahm Emanuel said on that same uh, track that I thought was interesting, he said, these are all judgment calls. He said, I've never come out of one of these medi- meetings where it's 100% this is what we're going to do and everybody agrees. These are mm-hmm. all judgment calls. Right. Obviously. So, if you're a grown-up, you understand that. So this is a multi-layered discussion. And then we'll get to the Stanford University doc who says uh, the coronavirus lockdown will not provide us safety. It's we're wasting our time and we're ruining our economy. This is a doctor, by the way. Um, we played the Kevin McCarthy clip in which he's railing at Gavin Mussolini of Cal uh, Unicornia um, for his on high lockdown and very stringent standards before he'll allow counties to make their own decisions. Which is a ridiculous way to go about it. I mean, if you're in Rhode Island, 
I could see that approach being okay because it's such a geographically small area and it's it's fairly consistent in terms of population density and the rest of it. Yeah, I know there's you know swamps and the rest, but anyway, <laughs> um, but California is so vast. The idea that Gavin Newsom would rule over L.A. County and and I don't know Butte County, for instance, if you know the state, um, is just silly. Got this note from Randy, a civics lesson. I learned something today. One of our county supervisors has been holding regular telephone town halls, during which county people, like uh, he mentions his county's health officer, tell us what's going on in the county, specifically related to the COVID-19 situation, take questions. One thing asked about today was, who has the authority in the county regarding the health directives and their impacts, both health, uh, health-wise and economically speaking? I was shocked by the answer. The county health officer alone has the sole authority and responsibility for the directives, like stay-at-home directives, for instance. There is no elected county official or mayor that is legally or directly involved in the creation or approval of these directives. The county supervisors don't vote on the directives or anything. I'm not even sure what oversight they have, other than they appoint and I assume can remove a health officer. See, The county health officers have only one person with direct authority over them, which is the state health officer. That's crazy. Absolutely it is. So when we found out at the beginning of this, or I found out, maybe you knew it, that governors are at the height of their powers during this sort of crisis. This is when they, they've got the, the they, they can shut down the economy. And that's okay, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that. But at least they're elected officials who will pay a price. Yeah. The idea that then the county health person is the ultimate authority, you can't vote out of office or punish right. in any way. Wow, that's crazy. Well, and we are at Depression-era levels of unemployment, and and the summer will be awful, virtually by every estimate. Um, Disastrous levels of unemployment. And the county health directors and the state health directors, to a large extent, don't care. They will be held to account for only one thing, the number of coronavirus uh, cases and deaths. That's it. Which is fine in the same way that the, you know, your football fan, the defensive backs coaches, the defensive backs coach is not held responsible for how the offensive line is playing. He has one concern, the DBs playing effectively. But if he ran the entire show, you'd have like an overweight quarterback who's smoking pot and doesn't know the <laughs> plays. You got light, weak offensive linemen. It's not his concern. So anyway, that's way out of balance. But then consider this, would you? And I don't know that this guy is right. But I'm beginning to think there's a lot to it. It's a Stanford University doctor, Dr. Bhattacharya, who's a professor of medicine at Stanford University, said people are mistaken if they think coronavirus lockdown policies are a solution that provides safety from the COVID-19. This doctor recently led the largest COVID-19 antibody study in the United States, testing thousands of staff members of 27 Major League Baseball teams to get a better idea of how widespread the novel coronavirus already is. Based on his research and other research, he's he's opposed to continuing the lockdowns and said they may even cause unnecessary harm. He says... Quote, I think in the back of people's heads there is this idea that somehow we can eradicate this disease if we just stay locked down. That is not possible. The serologic evidence, even in the Major League Baseball study, suggests this. It suggests the epidemic is too widespread to eradicate. 
In his estimation, the lockdowns would not have moved the population toward elimination of virus, but rather delayed the spread. As a result, whenever lockdown restrictions are lifted, the virus will inevitably spread again. Meanwhile, there will have been serious harms for public health and world economies caused by the lockdowns. There is no safe option. If you think that having a lockdown will provide you safety, you are mistaken. Because the problem in this lockdown has had tremendous is this lockdown has had tremendous negative effects on the health of people in the U.S. and around the world. Which brings me to a quote from uh, Dr. Fauci over the weekend that I forgot we even had. Um, oh, no, it wasn't Fauci. It was What's-His-Face who used to run the CDC. Um, help me out, Hanson. It's that clip I asked for. Um, oh, there it is. All right, you know what? I'll paraphrase what he said. He said what we've been saying. Yeah, the coronavirus is going to cost lives, but the economy crashing will cost lives. Poverty leads to poor health health outcomes. It leads to death. And so, interestingly enough, this doctor from Stanford, you know, I haven't spoken to him personally, but it sounds like his advice is Lockdown only as much as necessary to flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm our hospital facilities. Does that sound familiar? That's probably a good idea. But the spread of the thing is 100% inevitable. And so don't move the goalposts to just prevent all cases, especially because the people pitching that idea have jobs that won't go away. End of screed. So um, for now... You ordered a pizza, Sean. They, I did. They promised contact-free pizza delivery. Yes. How did that go? Uh, Somebody uh, had to touch it, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah, there's going to be something. But it, when I placed the order online, a little pop-up thing said, hey, this restaurant is only doing contact-free delivery. Uh, you know, please, you'll, you'll hear a knock at the door, but please wait until our delivery person is six feet away before opening the door and I think that's interesting. Pizza. So their instruction was wait until the delivery person is more than six feet away from the door before you open your door to Ding get Ding dong! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you open the door immediately. Lick, <laughs> lick their face. Yeah, the, the, I don't know if the delivery driver wasn't up to speed on all that, but it was just a regular knocked on the door and just handed me my pizza like regular. I felt weird because I handed all, like, handled all the tipping online during the purchase thing, but I'm like, do you know that I'm not tipping you because I already, I I already got the tip? I always, I always worry about that, that they didn't get the heads up. Yeah. It's too late to spit on the pizza at that point anyway. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But so what's with the promise of you're supposed to wait until they leave the door six feet? How many feet from my door are you? Four and a half or so. Okay, I'll give you a second. I'm backing up. <laughs> it's all, I, I keep going back to this is just the gated community of yeah. it's all the illusion of more safety to make customers feel more confident in, in doing their business well, with us. Well, to paraphrase Michael Jordan, who said Republicans buy sneakers, too. Uh, paranoiacs buy pizzas, too. So they're just, uh, I don't care about that stuff. Right. If a guy brings me a pizza, somebody might. You so want somebody standing to there breathing on you? I don't. I don't particularly want somebody standing there breathing on me. I, I'm fine with them getting away from my door before I pick up my pizza. Yeah, me too. Good. Don't breathe on me moistly. But, you know, their arm's a good two and a half feet long. So's mine. They hand me the pizza. Thanks, bro. And uh, we get on with our lives. I'm not, I'm not always speaking moistly on me again. Uh, no, I don't particularly want that, but I'm not particularly worried about it. Why? Because in my part of America, there are practically no cases. Mm. 
So I have measured my response, not according to the media's reporting from Manhattan. So you believe it's a hoax? You're one of those conspiracy nuts. Oh, for the love of God. I know how this It's like arguing with a dog. (laughs) I just, I don't know what to say. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, you know what would be funny? I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why didn't he put the blood on, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats, and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that, dress up a dog in a funny way? No, that's, uh, that's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows is. But it would, I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. <laughs> Fred Willard. Fred Willard, who died over the weekend. Almost 90. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah. Um, Long, great career. I, I I have no idea if he had a hundred thousand bucks in the bank or ten million. No, no sense of that. I mean, creatively, he was loved. The gays love to dance, and <laughs> I'm uh, sure the gays will be <laughs> glad to hear you <laughs> making that pronouncement. And, and you couldn't stop gay people from dancing in South Korea. Um, uh, illegal gay nightclubs. That opened up and people were dancing, and because people, uh, the, the gay community wanted to dance so much, they filled these clubs, and it's been their first resurgence of coronavirus since they had it all squashed down. And you said illegal. Yeah. So they, they weren't supposed to be open? Nightclubs were not supposed to be open. Oh, okay. I thought it was like uh, a Saudi Arabia thing, where so they you think, aren't allowed to be gay. They think 2,000 people visited Seoul nightclubs, and a recent coronavirus outbreak has come out of it with 102 infections confirmed to date, and they had they'd pretty much shut it down. But the uh, the love of dance kept it alive. <clears throat> well, I'm safe. It's funny. It's just, you know, everybody's got, I suppose, something they can't wait to do when this is over. I know for our family, it's visit grandma and grandpa. My kid's been wanting to do that. That was our, one of our vacation plans, blah, blah, blah. Maybe yours is dance. Get out and dance at a nightclub. Man, I'll tell you one thing I want, can't wait to do when this is over. Friggin' dance. Huh? <laughs> the one thing I really miss. <laughs> Boy, if your son really loves to dance, he's either gay or Justin Timberlake. So if your son is not Justin Timberlake, <laughs> I have news. <clears throat> I kid, of course. Uh, I, you know, we meant to get to this on Friday and just never got around to it, but you, you got to see it. Have you seen it? Have you heard about this? Security videos at the L.A. County Jail. It's actually the North County Correctional Facility, if you know the uh, L.A. County Jail system. I wonder if that's the one Marshall spent time at when he was... Uh... Thrown in the Hooskow for 30 days for contempt of court. You know, I think he was mostly a North County guy. So, yeah, I'll bet that's the very jail he was in. He's doing fine, by the way. We hear from him now and again. Um, but inmates at the North County Correctional Facility, L.A. County, passing around containers of water, taking turns taking swigs, or breathing into a single mask, trying to get the coronavirus. Wow. Yeah. Eventually, 30 people in the two modules where the videos were recorded tested positive for the virus, and two have since been released. They they were thinking, um, and incorrectly, by the way, that if you test positive, they'd turn you loose. If I thought I could get out of jail, and I believed that 90% of people get it, get uh, the few to no symptoms. Especially if you're, say, a 20-something. I might take my chances on that. Although, you know, 
We know somebody whose wife's had it for a long time, and it does not sound like a treat, having mm. the coronavirus. In the video, oh yeah, oh no, it's it can be miserable. And what's interesting is... If it doesn't kill you, obviously. Well, right. Uh, even if you get a so-called uh, mild case or a moderate case, you can be extremely uncomfortable, suffering for five weeks, seven weeks in some cases. Couple it's a of hell months. of a deal. Can you imagine? And the, the worst headaches you ever had in your life go away, then you get the worst stomach pain you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Really crazy. And it just evolves and evolves. Yeah, it's terrible and mysterious. Uh, in this video, an inmate fills a container from the hot water dispenser inside a dorm and walks over to other inmates who appear lined up to see a nurse. In about a minute and a half, three inmates appear to take swigs. Um, They're also using the hot water to try to elevate their temperatures. Oh, wow. Sometime it's, in it's the next day. It's amazing that people like you ended up in jail. Because <laughs> you come up with great plans. Oh, yeah. Solid, long-term thinking. <laughs> Uh, sometime in the next day, nine inmates fell ill and removed from the dorm. Well, what? Wait a minute. What does that mean? I mean, because it takes days to feel sick after you're infected, and then a week or so to feel really sick. The video is at our website, armstrongandgetty.com. The key to avoiding jail and a lot of misery in life is is delayed gratification. Absolutely. Any long-term thinking at all. Good Lord, you freaking morons. Stupid should hurt. A society that removes the repercussions of bad decisions crumbles. And that's what at least one side of the aisle is all about. No matter how bad your decisions are, we will bail you out. Putting hot water on their head. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. What the heck was that? So that was Michael Jordan at the uh, post-championship celebration. They just won the NBA title, uh, I believe at a hotel somewhere. And he is still in in his, his uniform, smoking a cigar, at a piano, playing the piano, everybody's surrounding him, despite the fact that, well, this this is how well he plays. He can't play the piano, but everybody's just Jazz. everybody's just so enthralled with Michael Jordan. He that, gets to the hotel, he's still wearing his uniform. Oh yeah, yeah, he's huh. full on just celebratory mode, and he's clearly just having it up. But it, it was an interesting, just a, a force of personality that he was able to gravitate all these people around him, despite mm. not being able to play at all. So some people take the role in life of always having to be the uh, the counter to whatever is popular or good or whatever. It's just sure you know. Here's why that popular band sucks. Here's why that popular movie sucks. Right. So, and I've played that role myself in life, so I understand the uh, the appeal. But anyway, here's somebody writing in Slate magazine some negative stuff about Michael Jordan as the 10-part series on ESPN wrapped up last night. Very highly rating, the highest rated thing ESPN's ever done by a million miles. Part of that's because of the corona lockdown. But um, this person, their headline was Michael Jordan turned out to be exactly who I thought he was. And they, they he talks about how there's one scene in the show in episode six where Jordan's doing something and somebody says, hey, your wife's on the phone, and then he gets on the phone and then it it, 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 it switches to someone uh, something else really quick. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, this writer uh, points out, it was the documentary's first direct acknowledgement that Jordan even had a wife, and it was episode six. Five months later, Jordan retired from basketball for the first time, citing his loss of desire for the game. For a 10-part documentary that promised unprecedented access into Jordan's world, that scene says it all. There's no getting to know the real Michael Jordan, or more precisely, that is who he is, an emotionally walled-off, dickish, phenomenal basketball player who doesn't have much to give off the court. The big question I had going into Last Dance was, is there anything more to Michael Jordan than basketball? If this doc- documentary was the final word on his legacy, the answer is apparently not. Which is it's quite possibly true. Possible. Which is wouldn't how you, be the only one. That's how you end up being the best at things, often. Right. Yeah. Um, you let nothing get in your way. Nothing. Right. Uh, Including, yeah. yeah, family. Although, you know, to call one of the most famous people ever on the planet dickish, uh, that's a little. That's a little easy if you've never lived his life, as some of the previous episodes make clear. Actually, it might have even been that episode where, you know, that whole flap about his gambling. It was. I remember at the time, just every media outlet, whether it's sports or like a gardening magazine, was blasting away Michael Jordan and his gambling and isn't it an addiction? Blah blah blah. And he's like mystified. He said, "I like to gamble. I can afford it. I did." I'll quit tomorrow if you want. I just like it. I don't know. I was reading a part the other day. I didn't watch any of the thing, any of the series, but uh, one former player, I don't remember which one, talking about how he would push you until you swung on him. Uh, because And then he would he would scream at you, if you can't handle me, then how are you going to handle the playoffs? Well, there's a lot of people who have won a lot of playoff games, a lot of championships, without making their their teammates fight them. Yeah. Tim Duncan won a five championships and never made anybody swing on him by being such a dick mm. that they wanted to punch him in the nose. Right. So there's other ways to do it. But he didn't win six. <laughs> okay. No, fine. he did not. <laughs> well, LeBron might, and he five. doesn't make people want to fight him either. So there's other ways to do it. I wouldn't care how much I wanted to fight LeBron. <laughs> it ain't happening. I just, I've never liked it. In sports or anything, when you take somebody's negative personality traits and assign that to why they're successful as opposed it's not to always the case in spite of right exactly right. right um okay i wanted to read this the, this is an ongoing story i wish it was more of an ongoing story i'm afraid it might be over this week hopefully it won't be and that's the whole unmasking michael flynn obama administration what did they know when did they know it I'm afraid it's not, you know, we'll we'll see how much coverage it gets. We ought to get back to that blockbuster Matt Taibbi piece a little later on in the show, in which he just blasts not only the Justice Department, but the media and, and, and the Democrats for they're not giving a damn about civil liberties. Wall Street Journal is staying on it, and their editorial board out today, their first paragraph, the media are mostly ignoring the news that 39 Obama officials sought to read the transcripts of Michael Flynn's conversations with foreigners. But here and there, they've asked, been asked a question, and their unpersuasive answers suggest there's a lot more to learn. And they talk about Clapper and Brennan and Biden and their answers. And we've talked about that some on the show, including um, uh, one of them the other day, Clapper, I believe, saying it was perfectly legitimate what we did. Well, the final paragraph in the Wall Street Journal today is the 2016 and 2017 spying on Trump officials and then leaking to promote a false narrative of collusion is one of the dirtiest tricks in the history of American politics. It is not perfectly legitimate, and the public needs to know the full story behind it. Calling it one of the dirtiest tricks in all of American history yeah. is uh, is quite a statement. Yeah. And, I, and I think it, it's in that category, but 
most of the media has zero interest in it. So I'm yeah. not sure you can get something off the ground with a tiny portion of the media paying any attention. I think their uh, attitude is reflected in this email from Dennis. Perhaps you should look into why Flynn... Oh, before you ride the bandwagon, perhaps you should look into why Flynn was fired by Obama in 2014 and why he warned Trump not to hire him. But you can ignore all that and consider him a victim because you think that supports Trump as a victim too. Whatever. Well, Dennis, I don't know if you're just too dumb to understand our argument or maybe you just didn't hear enough of the show to understand it. We've never had that attitude. Flynn's an odd duck, man. I don't know what's going on with him. And he's not always honest. On the other hand, he was railroaded. He was falsely prosecuted with the cooperation of the American media that doesn't give a damn about civil liberties. I don't know if you have enough room in your head to hold both those ideas, Dennis, but we do. Absolutely do. You think Matt Taibbi just unleashed 3,000 fabulous, eloquent words about why the Flynn prosecution is a nightmare for civil liberty. You think Matt Taibbi just wrote that because Matt Taibbi really wants Trump portrayed as a victim? Don't waste my time with your emails anymore, unless you can do better than that. Well, here's a good one. I don't know if I have time to dig up the guy's name, um, because I've got it in here somewhere in my notes. The lawyer who represented the whistleblower in the Ukraine phone call. Oh, boy. That's right. The impeachment. What is his name? Yeah, the impeachment. I mean, this got a president impeached for just the third time in our nation's history. Uh, but So you had the whistleblower, right, come forward and say he called and threatened and blah, blah, blah. Right. Quid, quid pro quo. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember any of it? No, you don't remember any of this. Anyway, the lawyer represented that guy, said they need to find out who leaked this information to the Washington Post, and that person needs to either go to jail or be punished somehow because that's a major crime. Now, there's somebody who does not like Trump, obviously. Oh, right. Um, but a crime's a crime. Yeah. Any reasonable look at this from the perspective of civil liberties of these giant, powerful law enforcement organizations running roughshod on people's rights, doesn't matter if you're a D or an R or an I or something in between, will tell you that, yeah, there were serious crimes committed by the anti-Trump crowd. I think we went ahead and looked pretty hard at the collusion thing, and it didn't happen. Matt Taibbi's headline, by the way, is uh, Democrats have abandoned civil liberties. Um, And I agree with him. Uh, He he called the whole judge appointing another judge to prosecute Flynn, even though the prosecutors dropped the case. The kind of thing one would expect from a judge in Belarus. Quotes Jonathan Turley. One of the few willing to say Sullivan's move could create a threat of a judicial charge, even when prosecutors agree with the defendants. As we said earlier, can you imagine? The prosecution says, no, no, we don't want to prosecute this guy. And the defense says, no, he's innocent. And the judge says, yeah, wait a minute, I'm going to prosecute him. God, what a nightmare for civil liberties. But you can't get the D's to care. Old, Old Dennis, for instance, with his email, he doesn't care about that stuff. He just cares about R's and D's. Oh well. So we mentioned earlier times ugly. We mentioned earlier we now know why Elon Musk was fighting so hard to get his car company opened back up, you know, a, a week earlier than they were going to be allowed. It's because according to the Wall Street Journal, he's on the cusp of inclusion in the S and P five hundred, which is maybe the most important stock index in the world. And uh and once he's on that S and P five hundred and becomes one of those uh companies that's in practically everybody's index funds. 
that they ah. that they're involved in. He'll have uh, he'll yes. have a whole bunch of money coming his way. It's right. a very prestigious position to be in. Right, and um, and he could make it, but wasn't going to make it unless he could open back up after his fantastic second quarter profit. Mm. So that's what he was fighting for. Plus, it could—I mean, this could be the—he gets Tesla gets vaulted to that next level. Oh yeah, of big car company legitimacy. Right, has the operating cash to do more or less whatever they want. Uh, no hoops in KC. Vote harvesting comes to Hawaii and fight, fight, fight. Idaho's governor and lieutenant governor at odds over the COVID thing. That's all on the way? It's all on the way. I'm fascinated by those teases. Oh. I'm not going to touch my dial. You're an idiot if you do. I had my Taylor Swift see this close to putting my CD in. Just going to... Uh, nope, I'm going to stick around and hear what Joe just Don't teased. waste your time with that. CD? She can't keep a boyfriend. <laughs> so... You have a CD? I actually... What I, is this? The olden days? Okay, Boomer. I don't even have any CDs. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I've got a CD player in my truck, but I've never used it. I assume there's a slot there somewhere. Maybe not. I don't know. Doesn't yeah, matter. Just, I don't hey, know. grab a CD. Just try to jam it into your dashboard. <laughs> Here, there, wherever it looks like there's an opening. <laughs> See what happens. Armstrong and Getty. I don't think I ever could get used to being probed and prodded. I, I told my proctologist once, hey, why don't you take me out to dinner and a movie sometime, you know? Yes, yes. Um, I remember you said that last yes, year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the straight man guy in that scene from Best in Show, it's also right. brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. So somebody, some man called... Yes, yes, I remember you said that last year. Yeah. <laughs> some man called Rob Harvilla of The Ringer wrote a great piece about what made Fred Willard such a master. Fred Willard died over the weekend. Did we mention that? Do you know who he is? He was in all sorts of movies. Your Christopher Guest movies and Fernwood Tonight was his show and maybe best known for the last few years of his life in uh, Modern Family. He was what, granddad or something like that? Yeah. There was a sympathy, an innate kindness, a vivid commitment to the foibles of real people that came through in Fred Willard's work, no matter how preposterous the setup, no matter how outlandish his role within it. It made you glad to see him and glad to know him, or, at least, or glad to know him, and at least glad that somehow he seemed to know you. That is true. <laughs> no matter how ridiculous it is, there is a just an innate kindness that comes through. And then, yeah, like, true. You know, we're all kind of goofy. It's got the uh, the the whole uh, you know real everyman going. <laughs> Can you play that one again? Just because it's so funny. I don't think I ever could get used to being probed and prodded. I, I told my proctologist once, "Hey, why don't you take me out to dinner and a movie sometime?" You know. Yes, yes. Um, I remember you said that last yes, year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, you know what? We're on a roll. You got another uh, Fred Willard clip you want to play? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? After the show, I go down and introduce myself. His name is George Menchel. He had been with a group called the Main Street Singers. Now, I was never into folk music. I'd worked some bills with some folkies. You know, put him in the cell with a long hose on him. Put him in the cell with a long hose on him. And I used to say, if he's got a long enough hose, uh, he's going to have a lot of friends in the shower room. Uh, <laughs> folk audiences hated that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 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 
movie was that from? That's, that was a, a Mighty Wind, the uh, the the best in show, but for small venue folk acts. Yeah, yeah, very funny. Yeah, very dry. So him funny. and Waiting for Guffman is fantastic. Yes, um, That's him and his best wife in show for community theater. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Seeing a pattern here. Yeah. Notes from all over. Kansas City has boarded up all the basketball hoops. They've just clamped plywood over the rims or taken the rims off Come or whatever on. so nobody can play basketball in uh, all the hoods. So in, uh, by KC. yourself shooting baskets, are you and another person not standing close to each other? Or uh, standing close to each other. Because uh, you're brothers and you live in the same house. When the epidemiological history of this COVID thing is written, and the media will ignore it if it doesn't fit their narrative, I think we're going to figure out that that uh, a lot of what we did was utterly needless, and we caused a lot of needless suffering. I will, uh, and and some of it you've got to excuse people for not having twenty twenty hindsight. I'm not being I know everything cynical guy, but I just I think at this point it's going to spread whether we do X Y and Z or not. There's no way we come up with a vaccine in time and the rest of it, but I, I will see. So there's one doctor who uh, was making the argument, and he's got a couple of PhDs, and he's in at a, uh, some university I'd never heard of. But he had a YouTube video out there with millions and millions and millions of views where he said, we need to relax and get our herd immunity up to 80%. Mm-hmm. That's how we get rid of this thing. Um, that's his argument. I have no idea if it's right or not. It could even be wrong. Most people seem to disagree with him. But regardless, he had a YouTube video up and it got pulled down. Yeah, spreading false information right. about the Chinese bat fever. Well, we How crazy this. is that? I'll remind you, we do have notes from all over, and that was just one place. But um, <clears throat> we quoted the Stanford University doctor earlier. Uh, you are mistaken if you think coronavirus lockdowns will provide safety. Um, he led the largest COVID-19 antibody study in the U.S. so far, tested thousands of staff members of Major League Baseball teams. And based on this and other research, this doctor from Stanford is opposed to continuing the lockdowns and say they may even cause unnecessary harm. Um, it suggests the epidemic is too widespread to eradicate at this point. Um, the lockdowns have not moved the population toward elimination of the virus, but rather just delayed the spread and the long story short is he thinks um, we just need to flatten the curve enough that we don't overwhelm our hospitals. That's our only option. But, again, there can be only one opinion on this thing, as decided by YouTube. Hawaii is going full vote by mail in November. One of our alert listeners sending this along. Um, it is. Uh, did you know that there's an entire section of the $3 trillion Heroes Act? That was just passed in the House. That's all about um, voting from home and easier voting. And the are rest you guys of up it. on that theory that one of the main reasons why the Dems are so gung ho about we need to keep this down is to keep it down long enough to last through the election, so they can kind of get more of their their voting quote unquote agenda. Right. Through. Well, yeah, keep the economy squashed because that diminishes the chance of Trump getting reelected and. The longer they can go, the more compelling case they can make for all sorts of super loose voting regulations. Yeah. So any Yahoo can vote any way they want, anytime, very few checks, lots of vo- uh, ballot harvesting and all that stuff. It's, You know, the truth is, the further down the scale you go to people who have no idea what they're talking about, um, the more Democrats you're going to get showing up. It's just, It's just what it is. And so, yeah, they're pushing that hard, and in your deep blue states like Hawaii, they've gone ahead and and pulled the trigger. Speaking of pulling the trigger, things are getting a little ugly in Idaho, as the governor and lieutenant governor are are feuding. 
Um, they're both Republicans, but the lieutenant governor, Janice McGeechan, thinks uh, Republican Governor Brad Little is way too clamp downy. Hmm. Um, she is of the sort that thinks, listen, we've got to loosen things up and open up and the rest of it. Um, and willing to take a probably politically damaging move or potentially by uh, speaking up against the governor. Because when you're a lieutenant governor, yeah. you're supposed to keep your mouth shut. You're rolling the dice, yeah. Yeah. Um, she said the governor is using the Idaho State Police and the Alcohol Beverage Control Bureau to harass and intimidate private businesses in oh, Idaho. I've got a good example of that, but go on. Um, and then she mentions the brewing company that's in question here that they sent a letter and it became a controversy. But a hardware brewing company is offering goods and services only to those customers who voluntarily choose to visit a private business. So that's interesting. You got a little more libertarian leaning Janice McEachin. I'm going to be, um, looking to her in the future to see where she goes. She says, I've never been supportive of forced closures. As such, closures are economically devastating and have already caused some businesses to shutter for good. Idahoans are strong and resilient, and we will overcome the hardships we are facing right now. Working together, we will triumph over these adversities and restore our state to prosperity and freedom. Well, to jump into your around the world, there's an Oregon salon owner who opened up against the rules. She says that the state sent child protector services to her home after she opened her business in defiance of the lockdown. Oh, yeah. Don't comply with us? How about this? Reminds me, who wrote that editorial when Trump was just getting into the White House? Was it Woodward who said, don't mess with the intelligence community? They got half a dozen ways to get you. Well, likewise, your state government. Armstrong and Getty.